Rambam Mishnah Torah, Hilcheshchita, the laws of ritual slaughter, Perek Dalid, chapter 4. In the previous chapter, we went into great detail describing the five things which disqualify Shechita, and they are Shehiya, Drosa, Chaloda, Hagromo, and Ikur. Loose translation, delay, pressing, digging, slipping, tearing. And now he says that Yisrael, a Jew, She'en Yedeya, who is not very familiar with Chamisha Dvorim, with these five aspects, acts. Shemafsidin Asashchita, which invalidate or disqualify the process of Shchita. And he doesn't know other basic fundamental things that relate to Mehil Cheshchita, the laws of Shchita, Shebiarnu, which we explain, such as he has no idea how to prepare the knife and so on. So he doesn't know very much about Shchita. And Vishochat, he did it, he slaughtered the animal. It's not like he's a professional shochet in the union. He did it for himself. The question is, being that he's ignorant, even though his actual shechita this time was, as we say, in Australia, spot on. It was right on. Actually, in London, I think they say that. It is forbidden to eat from that which he slaughtered. He may not eat from his own shechita, and not others, because if he doesn't know the basic five things to watch out for, what kind of business does he have shechting? This comes so close to being doubtful as to whether this thing is not a slaughtered animal, but an animal that died on its own, called nevela, because anything that's not shechted kosher is called a nevela. And therefore, being that it's only doubtful, we cannot apply the biblical malchus lashes, because that only comes with a certain transgression, with warning and witnessing and so on. But still, this is clearly a rabbinic transgression. You don't do shechita if you have no idea what you're doing. Then he is liable to receive the rabbinic lashing, which... The rabbinic courts had a right to sentence somebody to if they felt it was appropriate because he was being rebellious. So here we see how serious this information is. You know, knowledge is power. You need to learn about shechita in order to be a shechit. There's the old joke in Yiddish. I don't know if we can translate it. But one Jew says to the other, Reb Hendel, ihr kennt spielen piano? means Handel, you know how to play piano? He says, I never tried, but I assume I know. I mean, how difficult can it be to play piano? So this guy goes to Shecht, he never tried it, but how difficult can it be? And he does it okay. It's treif. You can't be a shochet unless you're trained to be a shochet. Base too. And even if this fellow, he slaughtered, a bird or an animal before us four or five times. And it was every time it was great. 
It was inspected by the experts and it, it passed muster. And this shechita, which he slaughtered, is good. It's still forbidden to eat from it. Because he has no idea of what could happen to invalidate and disqualify his shechita. He has no, no business shechting. It's possible that the shechita will become invalid and he won't even know about it because he has no idea what makes it invalid. Kigain, for example, sheyashhe, if he hesitates and pauses, maybe he doesn't know pausing is a problem, no one will know that he paused. A yidres, or he applies pressure, a yishchet besakim paguma, or he uses an inappropriate Knife which, is, knife, which is blemished, or kayetze be'elu, or there are so many other examples of what can go wrong, be'loi without even intending, sometimes without even knowing. So therefore, it's just not a good idea. A novice should not be shechting without supervision. That's the key word here, supervision. Obviously, in order to learn, you need to practice. That's fine. Under supervision. Gimel. And this is what he covers in three. A Jew, however, who knows the laws of Shechita, he actually sat and studied. And nowadays, what do you think they do when somebody wants to learn how to Shecht? The first thing they do is they sit him down and teach him. What do they teach him? Laws. After, it's like you're going to drive. First, you need to pass the written test. <laughs> you don't run straight to the car. First, you need to know the rules. He knows the rules of Shechita. He should still not go and perform the ritual slaughter, the Shechita, on his own. Until he does it, until he shechts. Before a scholar, the word chacham in many cultures refers to a rabbi. Before a rabbi, many times, until he is familiar and he's filled with alacrity, he's really good at it. But if he learned the laws and then he went and did it on his own, it's not so bad, then he shouldn't do it on his own, but it's okay, it's kosher. Dalit for Now here we have a perfect scenario. He knows the laws of Shkita, and he went and practiced and did it under supervision of a rabbi until he became a pro. That's what he's called. He's called a professional. This is called an expert shochet. What is an expert shochet? A. He knows the rules. B. He trained under supervision and see he learned he knows it he's now good at it once somebody becomes an expert he may perform shita to begin with on his own because he has become an expert and this is what we call studying Practicing and apprenticing. In every trade, one needs to apprentice, which means one needs to learn under the expert. 
Even women are permitted to shecht. Even Jewish slaves are permitted to shecht. If they were experts, they can go shecht for themselves. And the question is whether practically women should be in this line of field today, there's, in this field of work, there is debate. There are more says it might not be a good idea, but technically, according to halacha, a woman may be a shochet. Okay. Ver, uh, paragraph five, cheresh, a deaf mute, sheita, someone who is not intellectually sound, vikotin, and a minor, and a drunk who is so intoxicated he doesn't know if he's coming or going. Any of the above perform shchita, shchita some psula. Their shchita is not fit. Mipnei she'ein bohem das because they don't have the mature focus. Shema yakalkalu to know what will happen if they don't do with it appropriate. If they don't do it appropriately, the fikach therefore, as we learned earlier, im shachatu befnei hayedeya. If any of the above perform shechita under the supervision of an expert and they saw that this fellow whether he's a cherish or a shaita or a cotton or a drunk is doing it right his shechita is kosher why? because he did it right and it was under supervision Someone who is an unknown fellow. We don't know if he's a shochet or not. We don't know if he knows what he's doing or not. We ask him. We test him. We give him a quiz. If he knows the mainstay of the laws of shechita, then his shechita is good. But in general, in order for somebody to become a shochan, a shochet had to not only know the laws, and not only know the trade, and not only be trained as an apprentice, but had to be a very God-fearing man. And traditionally in the old country, the spiritual leaders of the community were the rabbi and the shochet. They were the spiritual guides of the community. That's to the extent that the shochet was required to have Yiroshamayim, fear of God, and in general to be a spiritually high-level person. Zion. What if somebody saw a Jew from the distance who performed ritual slaughter on an animal or a bird and then he left? He got on the bus. He's out of here. We have no idea. If he knows what he's doing, he doesn't know what he's doing. Certainly looks okay. And he looked the part. It is permissible. So also if somebody says to his emissary, to his proxy, says to somebody else, go and perform shechita for me, go slaughter this animal or bird for me. And he found that the animal was slaughtered. 
So, can he assume that the guy he sent did it? Or did somebody break in and do it? There's no idea if the guy he sent did it or somebody else did it. It may be eaten. Why? And here's the rule. Because most people who are shochtim are considered experts. On a very personal level, very personal note, my paternal grandfather, Rabbi Yochanan Gordon, for whom all the Yochanans you know here are named, my father's father, he came to America approximately 1930, 1931. Prior to that, he lived in a shtetl in, near the Vilna Minsky Guberna called Dokshitz. And he was the Sholchet in that shtetl. And the Rav was a very great Hasid named Rebleib. And this Rebleib was killed by the Nazis when they herded all the Jews into the synagogue and set it on fire. But that was much later. So until 1930, 1931, Rebleib was the Rav of, this, of the shtetl of Dokshitz, and Maizei the Gordon was the Shochet as his father was before him, and they were the spiritual leaders of the community in this very Hasidic shtetl called Dokshit. So I actually come from a family of Shochtim, generation after generation. Somehow when it came to my father, uh, he made a left turn and went to Newark and did not become a Shochet. Okay, so that is the spiritual leadership of the Rav and the Shochet. What if somebody lost a young goat or he lost a chicken? He says, hey, chicken, chicken, anybody see my chicken? Anybody see my goat? And he comes into the house and he finds, whoops, somebody shechted it. It's ritually slaughtered, ready for dinner. But we don't know who. Mutter, it's permissible. Because the assumption we have to make is those who shecht know what they're doing. But if he finds this slaughtered animal outside in a public domain, also it's forbidden. Maybe a real shochet shechted it, but then maybe it went bad. You know, shechita could go bad. And that's why it was cast outside, because it's not kosher. So also if he finds it in the garbage heap in the house, also it's forbidden. Why is it in the garbage heap? Obviously because it's problematic. What if an expert shochet loses his power to speak, to speak God forbid? But he understands and he hears and he's 100% lucid. There's no reason why he shouldn't continue to perform ritual slaughter to shecht. The fact that he can't speak, it's a tragedy. But it shouldn't preclude him from being a shochet. So also, God forbid somebody goes deaf. And all the other faculties are functioning. He can continue to Yudasuma, Someone who is blind. And there's a big debate in the Gemara whether a blind man may slaughter or not. So the Rambam says, to begin with, you don't hire a blind shochet. Unless he functions under supervision. 
Now it's possible that someone who has been shechting for so many years, he could do it by feel. But he still needs, according to Allah, supervision. And if he does do it, obviously if it looks good, and he's an expert, then it is good, even though he is blind. He brings down here in the notes that that is if somebody used to see and was a shochet and was an expert. But if somebody was never able to see, maybe he should not become a shochet. What if a non-Jew slaughters an animal? And this is a problem because a non-Jew doesn't have the whole mitzvah of kosher. It's not in his lexicon, it's not in his word, in his world. So therefore, even though he slaughtered under supervision with a wonderful knife, even he was a minor, so he didn't get into focusing on idolatry. It's not about idolatry. He was too young for idolatry. That's what I think it means here. His slaughter, the animal he slaughtered, is not kosher. It's as if it died on its own. What if a Jew goes and eats it? Vileka, he's liable to receive biblical ashes. Alachilosa for eating this, because it has to be considered unkosher. Because a non-Jew doesn't have the mitzvah of kosher, he can't perform the mitzvah of shechita. Shenamar, as it says, It is connected to idol worship, because when the verse talks about not sharing barbecues with your Gentile neighbors. It says, and he will invite you and you'll eat from his slaughter. Meaning, what happens then? What, is the next, what are the next words in that verse? And your daughters will marry his sons and his sons will marry your daughters. Because it starts with barbecues and it ends with intermarriage. So therefore, the slaughter is part of this process we're concerned with. And as I pointed out earlier, and I'm going to point out again, it doesn't mean that the non-Jewish neighbor is not a nice person. The non-Jewish neighbor could be nicer than the Jew. It's a matter of the sanctity of marriage and the transgression of intermarriage. It doesn't have to do with who's nice and who's not nice. Being that the Torah admonishes and says, watch out that he doesn't eat from your offering, that you don't eat from his slaughtering. You learn that when a non-Jew slaughters, it is forbidden. Don't compare it to a Jew who doesn't know the laws of Shechita. You can say the Jew doesn't know the laws. This non-Jew knows the laws. That may be true. He still should not be a shochet. Yud base 12, the Godar, Godel, or Geder, Godel, Godel, Badover. Our sages established a very great safeguard, a fence. That even a Gentile who has no connection to idol worship, so you're not worried about idol worship, if he goes and performs ritual slaughter, it is as if the animal was never ritually slaughtered, it is as if it died on its own. Yud Gimel 13. What if the non-Jew began the slaughtering process? He did a little bit of the severing of the two signs. We talked about the trachea and the esophagus. A Jew began and the non-Jew finished it. Sula, it's not kosher. 
יש נו לשחיתוסי, מתחילה בעצב. Because slaughtering is considered an integral act of a single continuity from the beginning to the end. But if the non-Jew made a cut, that does not cause the animal to become a nevela on kosher. For example, we learned earlier that if you slit less than half of the windpipe, the animal is still kosher. Considering the animal still in a state of kashrus, and then the Jew went and cut the other half of the windpipe, then the Jew is the one who did the shechita, as we learned earlier. That does not apply to the esophagus, because in the esophagus, even a puncture which draws blood invalidates the animal from being able to be kosher. Yudalit 14. Okay, what about a Jew who is an apostate Jew? It's a Jew who is known as an apostate because he regularly transgresses certain transgressions. Shayamumcha, who was an expert shochet, but he's known to transgress certain transgressions. He can be a shochet to begin with. However, a God-fearing Jew, a kosher Jew, must inspect the shechita knife, and then he can give it to this expert, who happens to be an apostate for certain mitzvahs, to do it. Because of his lack of fear of God, he's probably not going to bother to check the knife, because these things don't bother him. However, if he was known to be an apostate in the arena of idolatry. He's a Jew who worships idols. That's a problem. A Jew who worships idols should not be a shochet. Or, a or, mechalel Shabbos b'farhestia. He is a Jew who wantonly and intentionally and publicly desecrates the Shabbos. And when he's asked, why are you desecrating the Shabbos? And he says, because I feel like it. I don't care about Shabbos. That's what we mean by Mechalo Shabbos Befarhestia. He wantonly and publicly desecrates the Shabbos. This guy does not belong being a Shochet or Apikoros. He's a heretic. He says he doesn't believe in Judaism and Jewish law. What is the definition of a heretic? He denies the validity of the Torah. He denies that there was a Moses. He doesn't believe in Moses. He believes in Charlton Heston, not Moses. As we explained in the laws of Chuba, defining what a heretic is. These three issues, which three issues? If he's an expert shochet, but he's idolatrous. If he's an expert shochet, but he publicly and wantonly desecrates Shabbos, if he publicly states that he does not believe in Torah and Moshe Rabbeinu, he might as well be an idolater, and his ritual slaughter is invalid and should be treated as if it died on its own. Which is why we investigate the God-fearing attributes of a shochet. We want to make sure that he's on the right path. 
that he's a good guy. Somebody who by law of Torah is disqualified as being, as, a, as being a witness because he violated certain commandments. He can shecht on his own if he was an expert because we assume that he's not going to leave something permitted and eat something forbidden. I'll call Yisrael because this is a safe assumption that every Jew would choose kosher over non-kosher even those who are deemed to be wicked and obviously if he's disqualified to be a witness it's because he did some kind of a transgression repeatedly. Tezayin the Tzedukim and the Baisusim, these were heretics in Mishnaic and Talmudic times. And all those who err and follow them, basically in one form or another, they accept the written law, but they reject the oral law. Their, their ritual slaughter is invalid. However, if they're experts and they did it before us, under supervision, it is permissible. We're only concerned, and that's why we invalidate their shkita, because we know they don't have the fear of Hashem when it comes to anything in the oral law. 98% of the laws of shkita come from the oral law. They're not trustworthy to say we didn't mess up. Because they don't believe in these laws. But if we're watching them, and they're the expert in town, that's something else. And here the Rambam finally, as he closes this chapter, in the next two paragraphs, he gives us some background. When the Jewish people were in the desert, they didn't have the whole commandment of shechita, of everyday food. And there's a lot of discussion amongst the rabbis about this. And the Rambam follows Rabbi Akiva's perspective here. Instead, they would cut off the head. And they would eat like all nations. And in the desert, they were commanded, that anybody who wants to slaughter, should only slaughter sacrifices. You want to slaughter, bring it to the Holy Temple. That a Jew from the house of Israel who will slaughter an ox, etc., and will not bring it to the temple courtyard it will be a terrible thing. Why is that? Because the Jews lived right next to the tabernacle. It's not like in Israel where you can live miles away from Jerusalem. So you can go to the Shochet and have a barbecue. It's in the desert. Everybody lived right there. By the tabernacle. Lamana Shayavu, as the verse says, in order that they bring their sacrifices, and they offer to God, etc. The Rambam quotes pieces of the verse. But if somebody wanted to just kill an animal and eat, he was able to. But then the mitzvah of Shechita was introduced. This idea was not observed for all generations. Only in the desert, this was permitted. And there in the desert they were commanded. That once they enter into Israel, 
Just eating through killing an animal would be forbidden. And they would not eat everyday meat. Only through the ritual process of ritual slaughter. They'd be able to slaughter an animal anywhere. Not in, as we said earlier, in the temple courtyard. Anything in the temple courtyard must be a sacrifice. as it says, When God will broaden your geographical territory, you will offer from your cattle, from your sheep, which God gave you, etc. This then is the mitzvah of Shechita, which has been followed by custom and by law for generations. Lishchet, that first we perform ritual slaughter, and then we eat, and anybody who says that the shechita, ritual slaughter, only applies to sacrifices, does not apply to mundane, everyday barbecues, is wrong. This mitzvah was given to the Jewish people in the desert, telling them that once they cross over into Israel, shechita kicks in. End of chapter 4.